Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're well. It's good to be with you. Uh, we had to play a rerun yesterday. I apologize, but we're back with you today and should be the rest of the week and the rest of the year and the rest of eternity, I hope. Um, I do pray you're doing well, and we uh, are going to jump right into our new book this morning, Theology for Beginners by Frank Sheed, S-H-E-E-D, published by Angelico Press. Frank Sheed is a couple of centuries ago just about the top apologist. And um, he uh, he and Maisie Ward married and met, and they formed um, Sheed and Ward Publishing, and they've both written wonderful, wonderful books. And this was initially written in the 1950s, and the everything in here is the full faith. It's truly wonderful. A while back, we started reading through the the Catechism of Trent, and it was I think it was just a little too much for us to go through that whole thing. So um, I've decided this instead, which I think is is just going to be wonderful. It's a true true teaching of the faith, and it says theology for beginners. But um, uh, you know, I find that. Um, uh, those who were beginners then are pretty advanced today, uh, or beginners today, I should say, beginners today would have been seen as more advanced in the 50s <clears throat> because people knew their faith so much more than they do today. But let me continue where we where we left off. We're on the, um, <clears throat> just the beginning, why study theology? It's, it's only the um, introduction, but I think it's important for us. But why? Why, why study theology? It, you know, um, it's the study of God. How can we love a God we don't know? If we don't know him, we don't know the scriptures, we don't know the truths he spoke and left for us in the church, then we can't love him. Then we wind up loving a God of our own imagining rather than the God who is... <clears throat> Excuse me, just like today is a perfect example with the coronavirus. Um, I do believe, and I'm not alone by any means, that this is a chastisement from God because of all the evils that we in the human race and and specifically in the Catholic Church have created and have lived. Abortion and euthanasia and um, contraception and so-called same-sex marriage and all of that, it's an abomination. And we are no different than the world as Catholics, unfortunately. And I do think that Our Lady's prophecies at Fatima, Akita, uh, Our Lady of Good Success, uh, Our Lady of La Salette, and others that are all approved by the Church, I think just what our mother told us would happen if we don't repent is, a, is just what we're living through now, but it's the beginning. It's, it's the beginning of it. Uh, if we don't repent, much worse is going to come upon us. I really do. 
I really do believe that. And so the study of God to know how to respond to all of this is very, very important. Let me continue. Um, Truth is light. Not to see it is to be in darkness. To see it wrong is to be in double darkness. The greater part of reality can be known only if God tells us. Doctrine is what he tells us. Lacking it, we lack light. To be stumbling along in the dark, happy in the knowledge that our guides can see, is not all the same thing as walking in the light. It is immeasurably better than stumbling through the dark with blind gods, um, blind guides, but it is poverty all the same. See, it's the blind leading the blind. No good. <clears throat> we cannot depend on others to know our faith or to live it. We cannot. It must be we need to grow up into Christ, and we need to know our faith. And there's no excuse for anyone not knowing uh, the faith. Maybe the pastors haven't taught. Maybe the shepherds haven't taught. I don't know. Many have. Many have not. But we, for the most part, can read. We can read and write and, and study and know the scriptures and know the catechism and read all the encyclicals of the popes. We can know our faith. In fact, we're re- responsible to know it. <clears throat> Frank Sheed goes on, it will be said that no Catholic can go wholly unnourished, for there is the Eucharist, or wholly in the dark, because of the truths that the church does manage to get through to the least interested of her children. As to the Eucharist, this is most gloriously true. Though even there, a man will be helped by going as far into the doctrine as the church can take him, that he may know better by what food his soul lives. But as to the truths, now I know during this time, very few of us can receive the Holy Eucharist. That is true. We can make spiritual communions. We can make acts of contrition, even perfect acts of contrition, if God gives us that grace. <clears throat> I am not at all so sure. Some monstrous shit, but he says, but as to the truths, I am not at all so sure. Some monstrous shapes flit about the Catholic mind. I remember an educated Catholic who was asked how God could be in three persons and answered, God is omnipotent, quote, God is omnipotent, and he can be in as many persons as he likes. Oh, there you go. I I think we read this yesterday. I'm so sorry. I'll finish the paragraph, um, and then we'll go on to where we left off. Um, God is omnipotent. He could be in as many persons as he likes. And another who, having broken his fast and wishing to go to communion, thought it would be all right, provided he went to confession first. And having kept no record, I cannot tell the number of times I have heard the phrase, the poor Holy Ghost, he is so neglected. That is, he does not get much of our attention and must make out as best he can with the company of the Father and the Son. Let us not labor this. A Catholic, thank God, never can be wholly unnourished or wholly in the dark, but he may be living in an undernourished life in the half-dark, and that is a pity. You see, I say it now. I say it now, even with the coronavirus, even if we cannot get to Mass, 
even if we cannot get to confession. If any Catholic is not able to get confession, to confession, uh, even within a week, at any time of the day, uh, different choices of times, uh, my heart would would grieve. I, I would say, where are the priests? Have they given up being priests? No. We have to provide confession. We have to have the anointing of the dying. We must do that. That is uh, uh, the existence of a priest. No priest can remain a priest and, and give that up and not provide um, confession times and ways for his people. Uh, there's no problem with six feet distancing, but to not uh, be available for confessions is, um, it's just a, um, I, I, it's out of the category of a priest. I, I can't even tell you what that is. Frank Sheet says this, <clears throat> I cannot say how often I have been told that some old Irishman saying his rosary is holier than I am with all my study. I dare say he is. For his own sake, I hope he is. But if the only evidence is that he knows less theology than I, then it is evidence that would convince neither him nor me. It would not convince him because all those rosary-loving, tabernacle-loving old Irishmen I have known, and my own ancestry is rich with them, were avid for more knowledge of the faith. It does not convince me because while it is obvious that an ignorant man can be virtuous, it is equally obvious that ignorance is not a virtue. Men have been martyred who could not have stated a doctrine of the church correctly and martyrdom is the supreme proof of love yet with more knowledge of god they would have loved him more still knowledge serves love it can turn sour of course and serve pride or conceit and not love and against this we poor sons of eve must be on our god on our guard knowledge does serve love it serves love in one way by removing misunderstandings which are in the way of love, which at best blunt love's edge a little. For example, the fact of hell can raise a doubt of God's love in a man who has not had his mind enriched with what the church can teach him, so that he is driven piously to avert his gauge, his gaze from some truth about God in order to keep his love undimmed. You see, I've, I've met a number of people this way. They love God with all their hearts, but when you speak a certain truth to them about God, this coronavirus, it, it's not a chastisement. It's um, uh, God would not send a virus. He's a God of love. He would not do that. He does not punish his people. You know, I, I've, I've heard that from priests and from bishops. It breaks my heart. They don't know God. They don't know the scriptures. Um, and they don't know history. It's, it's, it, it, it is a tragedy, beloved. There's our first break. And we'll be right back after the break. And after the second break, we'll have a whole half hour to ourselves. And I'll take your calls, your texts, your emails. And the toll-free number, I'll give it to you ahead, is one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back, dear ones. 
We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations thank you for helping to save the culture. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. I had to think about that. I, I keep saying heart to heart with Mother Miriam. Same, uh, same thing, same mother, same you, but uh, the name um, has been changed to Mother Miriam Live because I am live for sure, and we need to pray that I live another 500 years. Did I tell you that? I told my eye doctor um, when she was look, examining me, she said, I said to her, you got to keep these eyes going 500 years. She said, 500 years? I said, yep, I want to live to 500. She said, who's going to be around for you to talk to? <laughs> and I said to her, everyone that doesn't know Jesus. And she said, oh, <laughs> I want to live a long time. So um, we'll see what God has. Um, two of you, <laughs> I have to tell you, two of you, um, have already sent me vitamins because you've heard me say that before and I've got two gifts on vitamins. Yeah, I, I cannot tell you how dear that is to me. What an incredible gift. You you just made my day and my year by doing such an just an incredibly beautiful, beautiful thing. So I'm taking the vitamins. Everything everyone sent me, I'm taking them all. <laughs> I should be a bionic woman soon. <laughs> okay, we're going to go back to Frank Sheet and the um, Theology uh, for Beginners, which, again, uh, many of us don't consider ourselves beginners. I don't consider myself a beginner, but we begin again every day. We are Benedictine sisters, and the rule of St. Benedict says we begin again every day. We also have St. Francis de Sales as a patron, and he says to begin again every single day. Every day we begin again, and... When I read this with you, to you, and with you from Frank Sheed, uh, I love every word. I love every word because, number one, it reminds me of things that may not have, uh, I may not have thought about for a while. It, it, deepens, my, it deepens my knowledge and my understanding. Uh, different people see things in a different way, same truth, 
but different uh, through a different lens because their lives are different, their backgrounds are different, their study is different and more advanced, and it it just adds richness to our lives. So, I I would I would not get bored reading a first grade book, Dick and Jane. I would not get bored reading that because I could see it now the way I couldn't see it in my first grade. And now I could think of the publisher and the authors and how they presented things for children and and learn so much more than I ever could have learned in first grade. So life is too exciting. It's exciting, I tell you. I'm going to continue. But knowledge serves love in a still better way because each new thing learned and meditated about God is a new reason for loving him. You see, that's what I'm trying to say. Now, a Catholic might still feel that all this is convincing enough, but that none of it is for him all the same. The church does not command him to go deep into theology. If his soul is not getting all the food it might, it suffers no hunger pangs. The half-dark seems pretty light to him. He knows he loves God, and anyhow, it's, it's his own business. Now, insofar as a Catholic is satisfied with what he's getting, there is no more to be said. And I tell you, if any Catholic is satisfied with what he or she is getting, oh, that is so deeply sad. Because to know God is to hunger for him more and more and more and more. You could never know him enough. Never. And you could never love him enough. <clears throat> So it says, insofar as a Catholic is satisfied with what he's getting, there's no more to be said. It is his business. At least it's not mine. But life is not only getting. It must be giving as well. And a Catholic can hardly be so easily satisfied or satisfied at all with what he is giving. The most obvious fact of our day is that we are surrounded by millions who are starved, starved of food that Christ our Lord wanted them to have. They are getting too small a ration of truth, and of the Eucharist, no ration at all. We regret their starvation, of course, but we do not lose any sleep over it. I do. I lose sleep over it 24-7. I want to put my arms around the world. If God would let me... Uh, stand on the moon with a megaphone that would reach the whole world, I'd be a happy camper. He says, we do not lose any sleep over it. Wrong. (laughs) Which raises the question of whether we really appreciate the food we ourselves get from the church. See, that's the issue. I've always said it. It's not my, I didn't invent this, but I love it. I think it's the best example of evangelization. It is one beggar telling another beggar where to get food. That is it. And of course, as Catholics, where to get true food, the true bread of life. I'm a beggar. I have not received anything that I earned, and I certainly don't deserve it. It's a gift. Um, And so I need to tell others of the gift because it's available for them. They just have to... Take of it and not starve to death. Frank Sheet says we should not take it so calmly if their starvation were bodily, for we do not know, um, for we do know the value of the bread that perishes. 
If spiritual starvation is to be relieved, it must be largely the work of the laity who are in daily contact with with starvation's victims. We must come to an understanding of the great dogmas so that we know them in themselves and in their power to nourish. We must bend every effort to mastering their utterance. Only thus can we relieve the starvation that now lies all about us. Once we see it, we see that we must set about it, primarily and overwhelmingly for the sake of these others, since it is intolerable that men should be perishing for want of truth, that we could bring them. But not only for their sake, for our own sake too, for it is not good for us or our children to be the sane minority in a society that is losing contact with God. I think everyone alive today feels that. This book will be concerned with theology as meeting the twofold need, the need of our own souls for the food and light and love of God and the great dogmas bring with them and the need of men all about us, a need which can be met only if we meet it. The reading of this, and indeed of all theological books, and I said yesterday, um, the uh, suffix ology means study of, so theo is God, theology, the study of God. Um, uh, any study, uh, I said zoology, um, uh, I, I should be able to think of a dozen words right off right off the bat, but... Um, um, it is the study of, and here is the study of God. Again, we risk making a God of our own imagining. And Romans chapter 1 says we did just that. Um, we exchanged the glory of God for the image of creatures. We did that. We thought God was like us, and of course he's not. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> so we don't know God. We wind up not knowing him. Our love is based on... A falsehood that we've created about God, uh, if it's truly love at all, um, we do not give the only thing that can save the whole world, and we have it, and we keep it to ourselves. All of that is is just awful, absolutely awful. And so, um, <clears throat> this is the final paragraph of this chapter. The reading of this, and indeed of all theological books, should be accompanied by the reading of Scripture. Without that, it is impossible to obtain an accurate knowledge of the truths of revelation. But Scripture has a wonderful power of making the truths come alive in the soul. It is possible for a man to possess the truth, while yet the truth does not possess him. That's... oh. I want to read these last couple of sentences, otherwise we won't have time. The Gospels must, of course, be read. After them, the Acts of the Apostles and some of St. Paul's epistles, especially 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, not hastily, but sooner or later, the whole of Scripture must be read. For those who come new to um, serious Gospel reading, um, Maisie Ward's They Saw His Glory will be useful. Oh, how nice. 
It studies the four Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles. Maisie Ward is the woman that Frank Sheed married, and together they formed Sheed and Ward Publishing Company. And Maisie um, has written a number of wonderful books, and um, They Saw His Glory is the title of one that, and I, I'm tempted now to get it myself, um, it covers the four Gospels uh, and the Book of Acts. That's truly wonderful. So we have finished the first chapter, and we will jump into the study tomorrow. Um, and it begins with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows, loves, and is powerful. He produces what matter cannot. He is not in space. He is always itself. Spirit is not in space. Spirit is always itself, capital I, itself. So we will, we will get into that tomorrow. But I just want to go back. Um, we'll probably have the music for our break in just a moment. Um, uh, he could, it says, it's possible for man to possess the truth while yet the truth does not possess him. You know, I think of even politicians who claim to be Catholic and who say, well, I, I personally don't believe in abortion, but, um, uh, but, but I'm not going to determine anything for anyone else. And that's, that's comparable to say, well, I don't believe in murder, but I'm not going to make a law that others should murder anybody. That's, that's up to them. I'm not going to let my religious beliefs affect my life. And, and my judgments and what I do. That is, to me, such a horrible statement. It's a dangerous one because the person who says that, if, they're, if they claim to be Catholic, are in mortal sin and are not on their way to heaven because they have, they're not Catholic and they're claiming to be Catholic and they're acting against the Catholic Church and against the beliefs that God has given and they... Um, they are on their way to hell unless they repent. Uh, it's very, very serious. Um, so, beloved, there's the music for our break. We'll be right back, and I'll take your calls, your texts, your emails. Again, the toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483. Uh, same number to text, toll-free. And to email, it's mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 .7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. 
please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Do you have questions about your faith life and the life of your family? Ask Mother Miriam each weekday from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern when the Station of the Cross brings you Mother Miriam Live, a program to inspire you and offer solutions to many of life's challenges. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam with some very exciting news. Through a partnership between the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News, you will be able to listen and watch Mother Miriam live on YouTube and Facebook at the Station of the Cross, including past episodes on podcast. As always, you're going to be able to call, text, or email whatever your questions are. If you are not able to watch a live stream, you'll still be able to listen on your local Station of the Cross affiliate on the iCast. Catholic Radio mobile app or at thestationofthecross.com. God bless you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. and your emails and your text. Oh, you already have a couple of calls. Let me just see who who you are. Um, Eustace, um, are you on the line? Yes, Mother. Hi, Eustace. How are you doing? Where are you from? I am wonderful. Oh, that's wonderful. I was born in New York, and I live in Philadelphia now. Okay, I'm a New Yorker also, Brooklyn bum. Well, I'm glad. Oh, arch enemies, aren't we? How cute. (laughs) It's good to hear your accent, Eustace. Eustace, tell me, uh, do you have a question? Yes. Um, Back in uh, 2001, I visited a community uh, in Quebec, Canada, which was founded by uh, Father Eustace Marie Blaise, the Order of the Immaculate Heart and of uh, St. Louis Marie de Montfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was um, a a new form of consecrated life where all vocations are united, praying and working together and looking for their self-sufficiency 
and exercising a varied evangelization according to real needs where sanctification and intense life of prayer take priority. And um, I, I, I know uh, back in 96, it was um, asked for approval from the Catholic Church to be recognized by the Holy See. Uh, according to uh, Canon Law 605. And I was wondering if it had ever been approved. Oh, I'd have no way to know. Truly, Eustace. Um, you could certainly get a hold of them and find that out. You know, it, it, they would need to become, is my understanding, you start as a public association of the faithful, then you need to be approved under the bishop um, of that location as a as a. Um, Rather, you begin as a private association, then you need to be approved as a public association. That's the first step. And then an institute of diocesan right, all under the bishop. And then finally is the approval of Rome. It takes a number of years, and each stage requires a certain number of members. So I don't know. All right. Uh, Thank you. So uh, if I wanted to get more information, is there anything uh, with the you know, uh, according to what the, the Pope might have published or anything that I could get a hold of? Uh, you mean for that particular order? Yes, according to uh, Canon Law 605. Yes. No, I think um, I wouldn't know where you could get a hold. Rome would have it if it's been approved. They would definitely have it. They would have the information even there if they're um, um, not yet a papal organization, even if they are yet an Institute of Diocesan Right, Rome would still have those records, but uh, the easiest route is just to contact them, I would think. Well, when I called the uh, the old phone number, I haven't been able to get an answer. I guess I'll write a letter there, and maybe I'll get a response. Yeah, and type the name into a search engine in your on your computer or phone and, and see what comes up. Okay, thank you, Mother Mary. You're welcome, Mr. God bless you, dear right. one. God okay. bless you. Bye-bye. Okay. Um, we have a call from Kathleen. Hello, Kathleen. Good morning, Mother Miriam. Good morning, I'm sweetheart. I'm so happy We're... to speak with you. I I'm am happy from you... upstate New York. Oh, you, you anticipated my question. Great. Upstate New York, wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Um, and we're under the auspices of the um, Diocese of Rochester. Okay. And our bishop is Bishop Montana. I know. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know. Okay. All right. So um, let me preface this by saying that I already tried reaching out to Bishop Montano, um, and I got a response from his secretary. And basically my message involved my upset at um, basically being unable to hear the sacrifice of the mass. Mm-hmm. And I explained that I didn't understand why we could not park in the parking lot, mm-hmm. stay in our cars, right. and to hear the mass being said over the loudspeaker. Right. And I was told that that is considered a congregation by basically the governor of New York. So I figured out I wasn't getting anywhere, and I just said that, you know, I'm very disappointed that the bishop isn't more courageous in standing up for his flock. 
Yeah. And I still feel that way. Well, so um, do millions and, of Catholics, Kathleen. So do millions. You're yes. not alone. Most of us feel but that what, way. What, I mean, what can we do? What are our recourses? I don't know. I, I, I wish I could give you more information, but I, I just don't know, Kathleen. Just about all of us are in that boat. Um, some of us... Uh, some are able to find uh, a mass they can go to perhaps on Sunday and and some even during the week. Um, uh, it, it's really a, a very, very difficult time. And the thing we have recourse to, of course, is spiritual, making a good spiritual communion and a, a very good uh, confession. Um and then a spiritual communion, which uh, we've been told, if it's a true spiritual communion, um, and we're in a state of grace, uh, sometimes a heartfelt spiritual communion with the pain of not being able to receive our Lord really, uh, but just asking him to come to us in our hearts, so to speak, um, that sometimes is more effectual than people who go to Mass daily and receive him, kind of taking him for granted in a sense, knowing he'll always be there. You know, now we've been deprived of him, and I've heard from people who don't go to daily Mass, and now they're really upset they can't receive him, you see? So it's it's created a hunger for the Eucharist, which uh, many didn't have before. Uh, the, the lack of um, Mass... Uh, and distribution of Holy Eucharist has also prevented thousands of sacrilegious uh, communions. So people that receive our Lord not in a state of grace, all of that. So that doesn't answer the pain of your heart. But uh, there are... um, uh, Cardinal Raymond Burke has spoken out about that. Um, uh, Cardinal Seurat has spoken out... um, Bishop Snyder uh, and others have said that um, under no circumstances should the faithful be deprived of the Holy Eucharist and confession and last rites, no matter what. So um, I cannot speak for individual situations. I think we're just in a very, very difficult time. And you're right, many bishops maybe don't know um, that this is not an option and they take it or they may be afraid to speak out or be courageous Uh, they just may feel collegiality if everyone uh, closes the churches it's easier on everyone that kind of thing rather than for anyone to stand out it's a difficult situation Kathleen Um, uh, the bishop of um, Las Cruces New Mexico um, has has all the masses restored it already um others are beginning to open churches at least for people to come and pray i do know of places where uh, where the priest is celebrating mass over a loudspeaker in the parking lot with hundreds of cars there and they're not receiving the eucharist but they are there at mass um and again, others are setting up confessionals in the parking lot or in the church. So it's it's a very painful time, Kathleen, and um, I don't know what you can do. You can search your diocese to see if there's any priest at all who is offering Mass. Um, 
you, you're, you're bound to find one at least that is hearing confessions. Uh, to me, that would be inexcusable to not hear confessions. Um, so that's the best I can do, sweetheart. You can pray. You can offer, again, um, a spiritual communion, offer sacrifices uh, for Bishop Montano and all bishops. Uh, it's not an easy time, and it's unprecedented. And so we're going through this and learning a lot. Um, and maybe if we had a second round of this in a few years, we'd know better what to do because what is happening right now is is uh, not simply denying the faithful the sacraments, which they should never be denied. Um, there may be a come time we're denied them by the world, but not by the church. This is really unprecedented. Um, and maybe, uh, you know, next time the bishops will know better because they'll have this experience and um, be able to react differently. I don't know. Um, but it's a hard time for us, Kathleen. And and I look at people in um, communist countries, look at the poor faithful in China who have had their churches ripped from them and destroyed and their bishops taken. Um, they're, they're just, uh, they're, they're in an awful, awful shape. And I spent a few weeks in Far East Russia, Vladivostok, and... Um, people there have to wait a month if they if they get a priest once a month and have the Eucharist. That That's it. Uh, because uh, of communism, and now that the churches are restored, um, all the churches were destroyed. And so the priests, when I was there, there was five priests to an area that's three times the size of the state of Texas. And so by plane, by car, by train, those priests give themselves 24-7, but they cannot get to certain places more than once a month. So we're so used to having so much, so much. Um, uh, Bishop Snyder himself grew up without being able to receive the Eucharist. And um, uh, he has a book out, Christus Vincit, which I recommend that everybody read. His story is in there, and it's extremely beautiful how his mother gathered the family on Sundays, and they dressed for church, and they had church in their home. They didn't have the Mass, but they read the Scriptures, they prayed, they sung hymns, and they grew up that way. And he is 10,000% of a Catholic today. Every cell in his body is Catholic. So, Kathleen, we need to trust God that God, I believe, has brought this chastisement on us. Um, I cannot speak for the response of the bishops uh, individually, but um, uh, there's all kinds of different circumstances. Some are very grievous. Others, um, I think people are just afraid for different reasons. Um, so that's the best I can do, sweetheart. I don't know of anything you can do but pray and sacrifice, remain faithful, have spiritual communions. You can do that every day. Uh, you can read the, the Mass scriptures online every single day. And you can live your faith more than, maybe more seriously than you ever have before. Does okay. that help at all? Mother, yes, it does. You mentioned New Mexico. Are they having mass in New Mexico? They a are. One priest is saying they, mass? Yeah, they are. Under the, under they the are. bishop. Under the bishop. Right. 
in Las Cruces. It's in the news all over the place. So yes, Las Cruces, you can look him up. He's a fairly new bishop there, and it's, he's wonderful. We'll come right back after the break, beloved. Okay, don't go away, everyone. Call in toll-free if you have anything on your heart. We'll be right back. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. This is Rick Paolini and Father Jacek Mazur. Join us every Sunday morning. We'll be delving into the diary of St. Maria Faustina and discussing the topics important in your life. Whether you're wrestling with willpower or praying for patience, God uses the diary to speak to your struggles. So tune in for Divine Mercy in My Soul every Sunday morning at 11. And catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday evening at 8. Jesu ufam tobie. Jesus, I trust in you. Are you ready for full-contact Catholicism? This is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show. Each weekday, we're talking about the things that matter to Catholics, spiritual warfare, Marian devotion, tradition, and staying strong in your faith in this culture of death. I hope you'll join us. Give us a call during the show at 888-526-2151. It's the Terry and Jesse Show, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, heard around the world on the iCatholic Radio app. to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live, and we're going to go to your emails. We have an email from Johnny, and Johnny writes, Hello, Mother. With everything being virtual, youth and young adult groups, youth and young adult groups are attempting to reach out to people in so many different ways. What I feel is lacking is discussion groups with video chat. One of my friends tried to start one of those within our young adult group, but the core team shut it down because it caused confusion with the name and branding of that group. What I don't understand is why someone would shut down something that is extremely harmless. It appears as if any as if any time someone is on leadership of a youth or young adult group, they they are, or at least appear to be, elitists. How can I confront the leadership of these groups without appearing to be accusative? Thank you, and God bless. Well, Johnny, 
um, apparently, if they said it caused confusion with the name and branding of that group, whatever that all means, name and branding, um, I don't know what the issue is there, but apparently they did not think it was harmless. Um, uh, I don't think confronting the leadership is the way you should go, dear one. If you are part of a group and you are under a certain leadership, then the proper thing to do is to go to the leadership and tell them you'd like to start, uh, or them to start, or you'll start it, a chat group, a video chat, and get their input and get their approval. That's what it means to have leadership and to be under them. If you go off and do your own thing, it's, 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 it becomes uh, sabotage because people don't know about it. Why are some in the group? And, and the announcement hasn't been made. How come others aren't in? They begin to think you're elitist. It's not announced, and it shouldn't be announced without the, the leader's approval. So from what I understand of your email, Johnny, you need to go to them and apologize. Go to them humbly and say, you know, I was... I just thought this was a good idea, and it didn't even occur to me to get your approval, and I apologize for any um, negativity or damage or concern that this would have caused. And so um, ask their forgiveness and ask what they think about the chat group and if you could go forward with it or if they could go forward with it or get their ideas. That's what I would do on this. Um <clears throat> Uh, we have a phone call from John. Hi, John. Oh, hi. Hi. Yes, uh, Mother Mary Where Mom, are you from, dear I one? Just, I'm from I, I'm from Bolingbrook, Illinois. All right. Terrific. Thank you. And I just, uh, what troubles me today, and I don't know if this might be one of the uh, major uh, reasons for the chastisement of today, uh, um, is, is the number of abortions that are committed daily. And, and, and they're staying open right now during... Every, all businesses are being shut down, yet they're still operating, which is... That's right. Just it's just fine to kill and to murder millions of babies. That's right. You're right, John. I, know, just... I don't think it's a cause of the chastisement. I think it's the cause. I think it's the number one cause. That's what I think. We have other causes. We have homosexuality and so-called same-sex marriage and euthanasia and... Um, I don't know, think of what else, other debaucheries. But abortion, uh, I think the number of abortions done throughout the world probably outnumbers all of those things together. It's an act, it, it's, people in the Old Testament were, were put to death if they killed a baby in its mother's womb. They were put to death if the mother... Uh, whoever killed, if they killed the mother, they were responsible for two deaths. Understandable. So I, I think yeah, it's, it's actually the number one situation. It's such an abomination. And the, and the utter tragedy is that the percentage of Catholics who have had abortion is no less than the rest of the world, and it's possibly even higher. That is the most grievous thing in the world. So I think you're right, John. Yeah, I just thought I'd, I had felt like a comment because I, I try to I support different pro-life um, priests for life and students for life. I like a lot and uh, excellent. And I try to help them much as much as I can. But uh, 
our society is <laughs> unfortunately um, kind of going the wrong direction. I, I it is, and evil has kind of been the order of the day. Order. Can you imagine, John, I've thought of this often. Suppose we passed an apartment building and we knew that someone was being murdered right in front of us. All we have to do is go in the door and uh, attack the murderer and save the life of the person, something like that. We call the police. We do something. But there are thousands of babies being born, women lining up to have their baby killed inside Planned Parenthood and other abortion mills, and we just walk by like we're walking by a grocery store. Or we pick it. It's insane. I, I applaud those who pick it. Uh, but it, who would pick it with a sign and stand outside a building where people are being murdered inside? It's, it's so insane to me. We should rush the building and rescue the people. Now, we'll all be arrested if we do that. I understand. But that's how insane society has become. That millions of babies are being murdered and we stand outside with a sign. It's, it's really a picture of insanity to me. Columbus and... Uh Every third Saturday of the month, we pray a rosary outside our local abortion center. Yeah, um, I know. That's my it, point. It's, it's a good trying. thing to do. It's a good thing. I'll never put it down. I'll I never see, put it I down. Some, it's good. But no, who can... It works sometimes because I've seen some ladies that... Oh, I there's no question. And they change their mind. Oh, John... Uh, a few I, of them. <laughs> you're, you're a hero. Everyone that prays, holds signs, prays the rosary, whatever it is, outside an abortion... Uh, clinic is heroic. There's no question about it. And thousands of babies' lives have been saved because of it. There's no question about it. And um, let me mention this. Um, We're coming near the end of the program. But in our Easter newsletter, um, we sent out, we had a donation of, of several thousand DVDs of the movie, of the film Unplanned. Unplanned, And you know that is Abby Johnson, who worked for Planned Parenthood. And because of the people picketing outside their fence, she was transformed and saved. And now she's become Catholic and she spends her entire life uh, working for the end to abortion. And they made a film on her. Are you aware of that, John? Yes, I am. You know, I haven't seen it, but I, I'm aware of it. And, I'll tell uh, you I what. Plan to see that. Well, you know what? If you let us know, uh, go on our website, motherofisraelshope.org, and just send us an email. And anybody who's listening, we have a, a, a good number left. Just email us and say, would you send us the DVD unplanned? It's free. You know, don't we're not charging anything. We were in charge. There's some postage expense, but we can probably handle that too. So, just let us know you'd like a copy of the DVD for you, for a friend, for someone you know that's pregnant. Whatever it is, we'll get it into the mail to you uh, within two days. Okay. God bless you. And um, there's our ending music, beloved. And we'll be with you tomorrow. Okay. God bless you. <laughs> 